1: religious box. You feel miserable. You have a weight of the world on top of you and you're trying to walk around because your sin is weighing you down so much you can't even breathe. And then all of a sudden you cry out. You cry out, God, help me. God, help me. And this hand comes down from heaven as God reaches down to you and says to you, believe in my
0: son Jesus Christ and i will." get you out of the religious box. As a Christian, do you feel trapped? Is your sin weighing you down and no amount of good works has taken away your guilt? As Pastor Dave shares in today's message, the only thing that can get you out of this, quote, religious box is Christ. Christ has done all the work. You only need to call out His name and accept His hand. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 3 as he continues his message, God's Love Defined. You
1: are God is love, not God is like love, not a characteristic of God is love. He said God is love. It's the essence of who he is. This love here is an action. This love is an action love. For God so loved. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates. That's an action. God demonstrates. That's action here. His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see the action there? God is demonstrating his love for us. And this attitude of God towards his son and towards his world is that God so loved them, so loved us. For where does redemption begin? It begins in the love of God. Redemption begins in the love of God one commentator put it this way, quote, This expresses the deep and constraint love of a perfect being, Theos, towards those who are entirely unworthy, which in turn produces love towards those who are partakers of this love and a desire to help others to seek the giver of this love. For God so loved. I get the idea of he was bursting with this love. he." So loved. He was bursting with this love. The love that just exuded from him. The next phrase answers a simple question. What's the object of God's love? What was the object of God's love? Or we might say, who is the object of God's love? The world. For God so loved the world. And here we get a glimpse of the heart of God. God loved the world. The Greek word for world, cosmos. But here, in this context, it stands for people. It stands for you and it stands for me. It shows the object of God's love. The object of God's love, unfortunately, is not the beautiful and pure world that God created. It's not a world that is in harmony with him. The object of God's world is in rebellion against him. The object of God's love hates him. A world whose pureness has become scarred by sin. That's the object of God's love. It's a world of greed, of strife, of hatred, and wars. But in spite of all these things, God so loved the world. In spite of these things in spite of the sin that was rampant, in spite of our rebellion towards him, in spite of us turning our backs and disobeying every commandment we could possibly think of, God so loved the world. God so loved mankind. Someone, I'm not sure who, said that love must be measured by the obstacles it overcomes. Think of the obstacles that God's love has overcome in your life. Think of the obstacles that God's love has overcome in your life to draw you to Him. So, how did God express this beautiful love? He gave. That's our next phrase. He gave. For God so loved the world that He gave. For God so loved the cosmos, the world, his creation, for God so loved all of mankind that he gave. And the Greek word is didome. It means to lavish, to bestow upon, to give out freely. God is a giving God who wants to lavish his creation with this love. The prophet Isaiah prophesies in Isaiah 9-2. We use it at Christmas time. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. If love must be measured in gifts, then God has given us the most perfect gift ever. In fact, we had a message on Christmas time. We called it the indescribable gift. We can't describe it. What did God give? He gave his son. That's our next phrase. His only begotten son, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's only begotten son is the gift that was given through God's love. God's love just just didn't feel for the plight of a foreign world. God did something about it. God did something about it. He gave the most precious thing that he could possibly give. You all have friends. You all have families. You all have relatives. You all give gifts. You think your gifts are special, and they are. When they come from your heart, your gifts are special. But God gave his most precious gift. His most precious gift. His only begotten son. God gave him. And here we see the Father's plan. When God adapted this planet for habitation and placed man on it, it was his intent that man would live with him in harmony forever. They would have fellowship together forever. And in doing so, man would then benefit from God's great love, and he would experience life and the beauty and the joy that was in it. God gave man rules for perfect existence. But man broke those rules. And since he broke the rules, he suffered the consequences. He began to feel guilt. He could now experience pain and death. And worst of all, his fellowship with God was broken. Man was soon fighting and destroying his fellow man. And so it was necessary for God to give more rules. For man was destroying himself with his uncontrollable lust. And as man continued to break the rules, he suffered bitter consequences. And then man says, it's not my fault, it's God's fault. The man started to blame God. He blamed God for his messed up life. He began to get a false concept of who God was. He thought God was cruel and unjust. He thought God hated him. He thought God wanted to make him miserable. But nothing could be further than the truth. So God gave his son. Unto us a son is given that he might reveal the truth about himself. What did his son do when he came to earth? He went about healing the sick. He went about raising the dead. He went about restoring lives together. He gave everyone a taste of the kingdom that was to come. And this is how you can live if you choose his kingdom. He wanted to bring us closer to the Father. He wanted to show us the Father's love. And he declared this to us. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. He declared that. It was true. And all the human thought of tenderness, all the human thought of forgiveness and love, and the regards to a father's love for his son, we can only imagine. So God gives us a glimpse of this into that love. He said, this is what that true love looks like. Yes, Abraham took his son up to Mount Moriah and wanted to sacrifice him following God's command, but God wouldn't let him. God wouldn't let him. And that beautiful scenario, you know it real well, when they get up there on top and everything's there and Isaac looks around and goes, Father, Father, there's the wood, there's the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the ram? Where's the lamb? Abraham said to him, God will provide himself the sacrifice. God will provide himself the sacrifice. God wouldn't let Abraham kill his only beloved son, the only one who was the heir to his throne. Because God was going to send his. God was going to send his son. So who's the recipient of this love? The next phrase, whoever. Whoever, and I like this. It's not just for a few. It's just, just for some favorite people. It's whoever. I love the word whosoever. It's for whoever. And the word here is pas, P-A-S. It means any, all, everyone, the whole. This love by God that is offered to us through Jesus Christ, it's inclusive of everybody. God is not a God of partiality. Everyone, Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, free, slave, man, woman, there's no partiality with God. It's offered. It's a free offering. God has offered it to everyone who would look at it and say, yes, I want that. Which leads me to the next one. What must we do as to be a recipient of this love? It's easy. Believe. Believe in him. Believe in him, it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him... Believe in who? Believe in God's begotten son. Whoever believes in him. Whoever places their faith in him. Whoever places their trust in him. Whoever looks to him for salvation. One commentator said this, quote, God loves the world but the world does not receive or benefit from that love until it believes in Jesus Christ, the gift the Father gave. Believes means much more than intellectual awareness or agreement. It means to trust in, to rely in, to cling to. It is so simple that a child can grasp it. It is so available that everyone may come for it. Nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling There's no price that you have to pay. No intellectual level you have to attain, praise God. Simply believe. Believe. Because by believing in him, God has an intention. He has an intention for your belief. What is that intention? What is that intention? You will not perish. That's the next phrase. Should not perish. Should not perish, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. This takes us right back to verse 14. Just as the serpent was on the pole, and as the Israelites were bitten by the snake, if they would look and believe, they were healed. They didn't perish. Looking and believing by faith, they would be healed. It's God's perfect will that none should perish, that all would come to repentance. It's the vastness of God's love that actually saves man from eternal destruction. God looked upon fallen humanity, and he doesn't want anybody to perish. And so he extends this gift of love and salvation to his son, Jesus Christ. And just like he extended the gift to the Jews in the wilderness, God doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to perish. And the next phrase is simple. It's one word. But. It's the original but God. But. It's a transition verse. It transitions the one who believes from death to life. But. It's a transition word. And you know what? I have to read my most favorite but God verse. Most favorite but God verse is found in the Ephesians 2. It begins by saying in verse 1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin." in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as other. Verse 4, but God, but God who is rich in mercy, why? Because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But God, but God, But, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but. And then we come to the duration of God's love. The duration of God's love. Everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, and this is the will of the Father. His will is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance, and that all would have everlasting life with him, one with him and the Father and the Son and the Spirit forever. The duration of God's love is forever. Well, how long is that, Dave? It's a long time. See, some loves fade away some loves wane, they grow cold, and they fade away. But God's love never fades. God's love never fails. God's love is for eternity. It is everlasting. It is an everlasting love. And that's His promise to us. If we have faith in His Son, whom He sent to die on a cross in our place, we would have everlasting life. See, John 3.16 is a story of God's love, and it's told by God's deeds. He so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life, life to the end. See, man's ruin came entirely by his own hand. Man's ruin came entirely by his own hand. Man was responsible for his own ruin. You were responsible for your sin. I am responsible for my sin. No one caused me to sin. I can't blame it on my parents. I can't blame it on anybody else but me. I am responsible for my actions and therefore I must take the consequences of those actions. The wages of sin is death. But God has given us an escape. God has an escape clause, and this is it. This is God's escape clause. You want to live forever, or would you rather die? You choose. You choose. But see, I was helpless in my sin. I was helpless to get my way out. Oh, I tried. Sure I did. I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I couldn't get out of the religious box. Remember the religious box? The religious box is a cage. The religious box says, well, you can get to God if you do this, 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 this. Oh, yeah, don't forget this, this, and this, and this. And, oh, yeah, that. If you do all these things, you can get out of the religious, that box. If you do all these things, you can get out. And we've all tried. We've all tried, because in the box, there is no ladder. In the box, there is nothing but walls. And as you try to shimmy up the walls, guess what? You slide back down, and you can't get out. So you're in the middle of this religious box. You feel miserable. You have a weight of the world on top of you, and you're trying to walk around because your sin is weighing you down so much, you can't even breathe. And then all of a sudden, you cry out. You cry out, God, help me. God, help me. And this hand comes down from heaven. As God reaches down to you and says to you, believe in my son, Jesus Christ, and I will get you out of the religious box. And God pulls you out of the religious box. And he shows you this enormous love, a love that you've never experienced, a love that you never even thought was possible. He shows you this love as you look at a man dying on a cross. And he declares to you, that's my son. And guess what? He's up there dying for you. He's up there suffering for you. How do I get there? Believe him. Believe him. Believe that I sent him. And you'll be saved. Oh, don't fall for the religious box. Don't slide down the slippery slope of the religious box and get trapped in a box that there's no way out of. God has made a way out of the religious box. God has made a way where there is no way. He's made a way out of the religious box. You don't have to get to God. He came to us. He came to us. And exhibited and demonstrated and said, Here I am. Take my hand. God is calling on you today to take his hand and get out of the box and walk with him. Walk with him forever. God reach down in the midst of your sin. Well, oh, I have to clean up my act. No, you don't. No, you do not. Believe in him and he'll clean up your act. Believe in him and he'll give you the tools to help you clean your act up. God wants you just the way you are. Just the way you are. Because man's salvation is entirely all of God. There are those who think that being saved is easier than being lost. To be saved, you simply believe in Jesus Christ. To be lost, you have to reject that love. You have to reject the warnings and the pleadings of His Holy Spirit. You have to trample upon the sacrifice of God and counting the blood of his covenant as unholy. And you fight against God. We didn't get to the kicker verse. We didn't get to the verse I call the kicker. I love the kicker verses in the Bible, but God's kicker verse in this one is, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He called you on the phone. But that he, the world would be through him, might be saved. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. Romans 8.1, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In a few years, we'll be in chapter 8. And in chapter 8, Jesus is faced with a woman. This woman has committed adultery. She's been caught in the very act. And they throw her in front of Jesus. And they want Jesus to do something about it. Jesus looks at them. He gets down and he starts writing something in the sand. We'll discuss that when we get there in a few years. And he starts writing something in the sand. And they all flee. And he looks at the woman and says, woman, where are your accusers? Where are those who condemn you? And she says, There aren't any. What did he say? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. We're going to read some puff, tough, tough scriptures about those who may be condemned already because they have forsaken and not accepted the sacrifice. How can I be uncondemned? Believe in Jesus Christ. You are condemned until you believe in Jesus Christ. If you die in your condemnation, then woe is you. It will not be a pretty thing. This is a powerful verse. It's a life-changing verse. It's a verse that is so powerful that it's used throughout the world as a verse to witness and get people to come to the Lord. And maybe today you understood it a little better. Maybe you knew it perfectly to begin with, and that's okay. But you're here today, and God is speaking to your hearts.
0: Your the book of John covers Jesus's life and ministry here on earth, but the book begins long before Jesus was born in a manger. He existed with God the Father from the start. So many other religions have some figure they look to or commemorate, but none of those mere men accomplished what Jesus did. Jesus came as a man and died, but then he came back to life because he's God. No other man can claim that remarkable feat. Only God could do this, and therefore, the only true one to follow is Jesus. What might be holding you back today in believing all that God says he is and does? If you have some questions you'd like answered, we'd be happy to try and answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609 609- Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website Just click on the Messages tab when you visit AssureHopeRadio.com We'd love to meet you too Find out how you can join us for worship at Calvary Chapel, Cape May by visiting AsureHopeRadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at AsureHopeRadio.com. There's more to learn from the book of John next time, so be sure to join us again on another edition of Asure Hope.